So what? You're taking another vacation. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to London to promote my to no, promote no, Chrissy no, Judy. That's a work thing. You're taking another vacation. Where are you going? Okay, but wait a minute. It's yep, just answer the question. I don't need a qualifier. I'm going to Disney World. Okay, that is officially weird. That makes why three times in one year. It doesn't. Make, yes, it, it, it is three times. Three Once times. with me. What? That is three times in one year. It's not three times. <laughs> It's four times. <laughs> Shut up! Is it four? Well, welcome to the Weird Persons Podcast. I am Ellen Marsh, and across from me is a Disney nerd. And it, mouse. Oh, boy. I am a Disney nerd, too. too. Yeah. I'm a Disney nerd, too, but like four times but, in one but, year. But let me explain. Grow up, I know, sir. but let me explain why. Nick's parents have, like, vacation points that are going to go to waste because they didn't roll them over. So they're like, why don't y'all take them because you like Disney? They don't know that we go there and eat enough edibles to level a small country. (laughs) Honestly, that makes the story sound so much better. (laughs) I'm really, really glad you clarified that. Listen, if you want more Joey and I, you can always find us on the Patreon. That is where, I don't know, it's Michigas, okay? It's where the Manudes got leaked. You can go to our website. Website. Sorry, we and have I switched roles. You sound like that man from the Alabama Love Triangle. <laughs> Our website is ithinknotpod.com, and you can click Patreon, and you can just download hundreds of stuff, and then you could stay or not stay. We're not going to be mad at you either way. And let me tell you something. I just want to say, we honestly, and I am not just saying this. I really mean this from the bottom of my heart. We have the best listeners. The support that you give us makes us feel good about ourselves. But also, I got to tell you, when you guys share our stuff on social media and tag us and share it, that just, it just means so much because it means like you're sending our stuff to your people, to your friends, to your 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 friends at church. They're like, can we have a chat? But anyway, <laughs> it just really means a lot because it really helps new listeners find us. And it, I'm just so grateful. So I just want to say thank you for all the internet love you guys give us. Our listeners are amazing. Amazing, but they're also shady in the best possible way. That person who created the Instagram Misty Four Five Six Instagram account, now. <laughs> tell them, tell them before we start the episode what happened. They literally, it's actually kind of genius because they were like, "I'm gonna go back, find your negative reviews, screenshot them, post them on Instagram, and pose as Misty Four Five Six, who's just like, yeah, you get them.' I'm like, this is so. It is rich. the ultimate troll. I found it the other day. I was on my couch. I was crying. Yes. Y'all, but it's great because I don't read reviews. You sit there and you just sit in in your tundra of sadness. I don't go a lot. I go every once in a while. But like somebody made a Bobby Lynn account. There's a Sharon Bag of Bones Facebook. I mean, like there's, it's just so rich. It just, it tickles me beyond belief. Where I think not, where we recap all of your favorite true crime TV shows. We're hopping and popping around and on our Patreon is where we do our series. And tell them what we're covering today. Today we are covering scorned love kills. Yeah, and it 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 does. Yeah, sometimes it, it kills does. your soul. Scorned, season four, episode five, the Bachelorette Party. This is the true story of an awkward computer engineer. Bruce had no experience with women whatsoever. A former party girl trying to do good. She really had a wild life that she wanted to put behind her before she married Bruce. 
and the seductive stripper who would come between them. He had an awesome body. Oh, yeah, she thought he was hot. It's a story of lust. Their relationship was strictly sexual. Greed. As a male, he's not going to turn down a sexual affair, and he's also getting gifts. And cold-blooded murder. Why does it keep coming back to ah! It didn't make sense to the police. None of it added up. It was all planned out. It was all calculated. Beware. Extreme passion can lead to shocking consequences. Well, here we are in Whittier, California, which is a quaint and cozy town that we are told is where all the L.A. people eventually go when they've had enough of flakes who live there and they say, oh, yeah, yeah, when you come to L.A., we're going to take you out. We're going to go to Runyon Canyon. We'll go have brunch at the Ivy. We're going to do all kinds of fun things. And then you get to town and then they disappear. And then you're left by yourself crying into a gluten-free avocado toast and, like, you know, sipping on an iced latte at the coffee being all by yourself because LA is full of flakes. I'm fine. Wow. I'm just saying, when you tell people that you're going to LA, the people that you know, they will disappear quicker than Marjorie Taylor Greene at a January 6th hearing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never heard of Whittier, California, so here we are. Outside of Los Angeles lies the sleepy suburb of Whittier, California. It's a really nice, affluent area. You're overlooking the whole city. Whittier is a cozy town that serves as an escape from the fast pace of glitzy Los Angeles. Whittier was totally different from L.A. That's where people like to go to be happy. Tom Herman, who is a homicide detective for the LAPD, he says it's a nice area. He is one of 45,000 talking heads on this episode. Yeah, it, it's like the Scoop Daniels episode. They're like, who wants to? Literally. Anyone have anything to say? Yeah. Come on over. But they say that Whittier is a place you want to go to be happy. And I was like, is Whittier Disney World? (laughs) So, see, you are a Disney nerd. No, honey, I am a normal Disney nerd. Don't squint your beady little eyes at me. me. That's the thing. You can't judge me. You're not better than me. Just because I went to Disney World one more time than you did in a year? I only went once. Two more times in a year than you did? I only went once. Three more times in a year than you did? (laughs) Raise your hand if you think Joey's weird. Okay, that's what I thought. And in December of 1995, a 41-year-old Whittier resident named Bruce Cleland is on his first date at a local Mexican restaurant with 26-year-old Rebecca Salcedo. So it's December 1995, and Bruce Cleland, who lives in Whittier, is on a first date at a Mexican food restaurant, and I have a statement that's going to make a lot of people mad. I know what you're going to say. Can I guess it? Yep. The best Mexican food is in California. That's it. I, yeah, it really yeah. is. I'm not taking any follow-up questions. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's, that's it. Oh, so Cal, where you go for Mexican food. Yeah. Do you want to hear my worst taco joke? I have a really bad taco joke. <laughs> it's really bad. Okay, go for it's it. It's bad. Okay. If you don't want to hear a bad joke, hit the forward one time. Okay. If men weren't meant to eat, then um, why did they make it look like a taco? I, I is that, quit. I'm, is that it? That, that, is, that was it. You don't love yourself. <laughs> you don't love you. You have you. Something's wrong with you. Let's call better help. Okay, so yes, they're on their first date, and SoCal has the best Mexican food. Don't ever ever call what? it SoCal. Do you say Soho? You don't say South of Houston. No, I. It's just Southern California. Okay, well, yeah, the that'd be like me saying Nolens. Okay. You could say Nola. 
That's the same thing. No, but it's as annoying as someone saying Nolens. Really, it's annoying for you because yeah, if you live like, oh, in you Southern live in California. NorCal, I'd be like, you don't, you, you don't didn't go even there. grow up in Southern California. No, I know, but anybody in California don't say NorCal or SoCal or like if someone's like, "Hey, are you from Frisco?" I'm like, "I'm from Shut the fuck up! You're in my world now." You know? <laughs> what if I say, "Go and fuck yourself"? Does that is that all right? Are you Can talking to me or the people yeah, who I'm say to you. that? I'm looking at you. <laughs> You're not better than me. Bruce Cleland is a very introverted young man. He just was very shy, very reserved, very quiet. Everybody liked him, but he certainly wasn't a, a party person. For this gawky computer software engineer, success comes easy. Right. Romance is another story. So Bruce is out to his first date with a 26-year-old woman by the name of Rebecca Salcedo. And we learn that Bruce is like a pretty shy and quiet guy. You know, didn't party a lot. Nice guy, not a party guy. Good with money, good with numbers, good with computers. Not not so great with the ladies. Yeah, sometimes that happens. Yeah. You know, he struggled. He definitely struggled with romance. So Bruce meets Rebecca and he's really attracted to her. and. She's kind of outgoing. She's fun. She's keeping the conversation going. She's making him feel at ease. And we meet Rebecca's friend, Bertha, who says that she was funny and likable, charming and hot. Everybody liked Rebecca. Well, they met at a farmer's market and Bruce took one look at her and was like, Hello, nuts. And he was like, he got the nerve up to be like, I'm going to make this happen. And so good for you. But listen. You can't win the lottery if you never buy a ticket. Uh So eventually, if you want to find love, you got to put yourself out there. Right. I'm looking at you. Oh, because what? I want you to find love. (laughs) (laughs) I am broken. (laughs) But, you know, Rebecca thought that his awkwardness was kind of cute, which I get that. I I have dated many, many nerds. I love a nerd. And so, and Rebecca doesn't really go for men like Bruce. Like, she's with this on again, off again Guy Steve. And we've all had a Steve. I literally wrote the same thing. Yeah. That we've all had a bad boy, a bad girl, a bad they, them. We've had all of them. Yeah. And they're they're always like slippier than a pocket full of pudding. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I mean, you know that you're not going to get what you want from the pudding. You know that you're not going to have your needs met. You know you're, you're not going to get what you want. You're not going to get what you need. But some in your brain... It it makes you lose all your good sense. Like a very, very popular YouTube sensation woman said, I can't remember her name, but she said, the dick will make you slap somebody. Yes. It's that person that makes you lose your good sense. You you become poisoned with them. They are an addiction. Like Steve, the bad boy lover she just can't seem to shake. Rebecca was seeing Steve uh, on again, off again when she met Bruce. She dated him for many years, and for some reason, she was infatuated with him. They had an intimate relationship. Steve is the polar opposite of Bruce. Wild, sexy, and a total sponge. So Rebecca was addicted to this man named Steve, and Steve was an exotic dancer. Yeah. And, you know, ripped body, but she was so obsessed with him, and the thing is, is that Steve had a long list of women that he could call Mm -hmm. at any time, and so her way of being at the top of that list was buying him shit. And taking care of him. And yeah. he was just kind of a leech. And they say he was a bad boy. He's just a, he's just a guy in a black tank top. Is it? <laughs> 
up. Steve was a bad boy. He's just he's wearing a yes. black tank top. So Steve and Bruce are opposites. Yeah. So she's like, I like this nice guy. He's got money. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. Treat her like a queen. With this nice guy. She says, he picked up the check. No one's ever done that. Let me tell you, when I go on a date, I don't let anyone pick up the check. Oh, I don't either. Probably for the same reason. I'm not having any financial obligation to talk to you, call you, touch your kibbles and bits if I don't want to. I get the check. Every time. Yeah. You're not taking that chokehold over me for two margaritas and some chips and guac, Todd. (laughs) Fuck you, Todd. Who the fuck do you think you are, Todd, showing up with two margaritas and your rotten guacamole? Yeah. I can fuck myself (laughs) for free. Okay? (laughs) Rebecca was a party girl, wild child, but she really was looking to settle down, become a wife and a mother, and she realized that she needed to separate from her old ways in order to achieve the kind of life she thought she wanted for herself. So... Robbie Ludwig is here and she's a psychotherapist and she's basically saying that Rebecca had had a wild life and maybe she was ready to call it quits. Yeah. And she'd been partying a long time. Yeah. And so she's like, they kind of moved fast and they became a couple. She wanted to get married. Yeah. She wanted to have a family. But let me tell you, if things were working out for Rebecca and Bruce, they were together all the time. Yeah, they became a couple. Now, Rebecca sort of talks a bit about her past, but Bruce doesn't really tell her anything about his past relationships. I don't know where the healthy boundary is there about talking about your past relationships, but she's like, oh, that's sweet. Like he he's just being respectful. He's just being respectful. Nah, Bruce was a virgin. Bruce is a 40-year-old virgin. Now, listen, let me tell you something. I'm not judging him for that. Sometimes mm-hmm. people just... They never get off on the right foot yeah. when it comes to romance, you yeah. know? And there's a, probably a lot of anxiety there, I would imagine. And I think he probably was very nervous. Now he finds this woman that he finds so beautiful, so attractive, and it's like, I, I still have never, I've never done this. I would imagine being a virgin later in life could be somewhat isolating. Yeah. But I can imagine the stigma around yeah. it and then that anxiety. Okay, I'm 22. Okay, I'm 23. Okay, I'm 24. I mean, there's no timeline for sex. Yeah. I'm not saying that. Everybody's different. Live your life. You know I don't judge. I don't care. But I can imagine being worried. I think it's just like anything. If you build it up enough and you have a lot of anxiety and you aren't getting help for it, it yeah. becomes a huge wall. A wall that you just cannot see over yeah. anymore. Yeah, and he doesn't want Rebecca to find out because it made him feel shame which I feel bad about but he was anxious about having sex but he really wanted to have sex I could imagine just being like can we just get this over I want us to practice I want to I get it I totally get it if you have that kind of anxiety listen here's the thing I'm here to tell you as a man your brain's connected to your dick and if you get in your head your dick is gonna be a problem is what I'm trying to tell you say more (laughs) say more about your brain and your dick I'm just saying though if you have how do I put this your brain will take the wind out of your sails mm-hmm. real fast. Mm-hmm. And then it's like a magician's handkerchief. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca wanted to do things differently. Yeah. She actually did want to wait because she was wild and she wanted to appear like wife material, which, bleh, what is wife material? You can still. It's a very archaic idea. Yeah, you can still fuck true all you want and be waits. a wife. No, true love will fuck you in the Okay. After two margaritas and some guac. And some guacamole. (laughs) Rebecca tells Bruce she's saving herself for marriage. Bruce is more than disappointed. But Rebecca's gamble pays off. He was determined to marry Rebecca. She was going to be his wife. Rebecca felt like Bruce was going to be the one that's going to take care of me. 
He is the one. He's perfect. But I, but I love you. I just, I'm not going to do it. You're I'm not going to go He doesn't want her to know, and she says she wants to save sex for marriage. Perfect storm. Yeah. But Bruce really wants to really wants to fook. And so he starts giving her a lot of presents, clothes, jewelry. And then he's like, hold up. I'm going to level up. I'm going to give her my credit card. Yeah. Honey. How do you feel about that kind of stuff? I feel very uncomfortable getting an unbalanced amount of stuff. Also, I don't need stuff. Yeah. I don't, I've I've never been big on the stuff, but I do love like little acts of, little gifts that it's like, oh, you thought of me. Yeah, you thought, I know your spatula burned because you don't know how to make eggs. Look, I bought you the spatula. I like things like that. I am fascinated by people's love languages. Mm. I also am like, I'm a doer. Mm -hmm. That's just, I've always been that. You are a doer. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm just sort of like, Oh, you need your well. We'll just paint your walls. Yep. Is that what needs to happen? Well, we'll just do it. Yeah. That I, I'm that way. But it's got to be a balance. It's got to be an equal back and forth. And you know, I don't think Rebecca had ever had somebody take care of her in this way, and yeah. she got comfortable quickly. Yeah. And she still kind of had Steve in the back of her mind. Yeah. Well, and not just they the back hadn't of her been mind. doing anything, but she was thinking about him and his exotic dancing. And one day Bruce was out of town and she invites him over. Yeah. And Steve is more than happy to give her some horizontal refreshment. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and. I mean, Steve was a fuckboy. He just came over when she wanted sex. And this show, y'all, if you need a moment and straight people do it for you, this show's like some, there's heels, there's lingerie, there's moaning, there's slow motion hair flipping. This is some soft core shit. Let me tell you something. The the reenactment uh, Rebecca, she's hot. Yeah. Reenactment Rebecca is. And like. Smoking. So they they never go out. He just comes over to ride the skin bus to Tuna Town. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Uh, that was- That's it. That's an A plus for me. Rebecca realized offering sex was not really hooking in Steve the way she had hoped. So she upped the ante and decided to give him credit cards as a way to keep him attached to her. With the opportunity for a red-hot romp with Rebecca anytime he wants it, and unlimited access to Bruce's wealth, Steve knows he's hit the jackpot. For me, this was like a window into her mind, but also like her deep insecurity. Because the fact that she was willing to put herself in a terrible compromising position by using Bruce's credit card to buy Steve things simply for validation, Mm -hmm. that tells me that this was a a person who was crippled with insecurity. Absolutely. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to give you my boyfriend's credit card. And she gives Steve his credit card. Wait, I missed that part. You did? That's true. Do you ever watch the show? I do watch it. Okay. I was. I don't know how I he missed gave that. Her the, I thought she was just spending for him. No, she gave Ooh, him the credit card. That's some risky business. So then one day Bruce was like, ta-da, look at this. I bought you a 4,000 foot square house with a pool. <laughs> what? <laughs> so then she turns around when she's looking at this house and he's on one knee. And 
I know my attention to detail is uh-huh. abnormal, uh-huh. but reenactment Bruce has this little plastic box with what we are to assume is an engagement yeah. ring. It looks like one of those boxes you get at Dave and Buster's. <laughs> It does. It it's like the pro, like uh, props department. I know you are overworked and underpaid. <laughs> I I get it. But they were they were like what? <laughs> oh God, a ring box. <laughs> They're like, Kay Jewelers is closed. Go to David Buster's. Oh no, I feel like I want to do a GoFundMe. So Bruce proposes. Yeah, you, let me tell you something. Now I know that there are six straight guys that listen to this. Yes, and Billy. Is it Billy White Jr. with the beard? Yes. 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 All right, Billy White. No offense to y'all, but let me tell you something. And this goes for gay men, You know when everyone says no offense to y'all, you are about to offend them. Well, I'm going to offend myself, too, because this goes for gay men as well. Men, at the prospect alone of sex, will do anything. And I know this because I lived with two strippers when I was 21 years old in New Orleans. One of them's name was Aspen. I told you about her. Mm -hmm. She didn't do nothing but put her hands on a pole and shake her titties and people threw money at her. But she she hustled men and she didn't even have to do it mm-hmm. because they would just at the idea that they could maybe one time touch a titties <laughs> buy her all kinds of shit. It is astounding. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're you're like, so, oh, honey, you think I didn't know this? They're so, I, no, I mean, they're- <laughs> Men are they're, predictable. They're so simple. Yeah, it's true. Absolutely. I'm they, very simple that way. Yeah, I, I don't think any man listening would disagree. Yeah. Most men are like, yeah, well, and and what past the beer nuts? <laughs> like, <laughs> you look like Jen Perry. You had said that. You're like, past the beer nuts. <laughs> it's true. Like that's why men always get caught. Women cheat. They don't just don't get caught as much. Probably because women are. They are masterminds. Well, listen, I don't know why more men, women don't work for the FBI because give me, you know, 20 minutes and a reason and I'll find your ex and what he's doing. I believe it. Even with a ring on her finger, Rebecca is worried that if she gives in to Bruce, she will somehow jinx things. Rebecca had a realization that here she was not giving of herself sexually with Bruce, and yet it was producing all the right effects. Rebecca really wanted to do things right this time, and she didn't want to have sex with Bruce until they were married. Here's the crazy thing. You'd think that maybe, just maybe, buying her a house would let him go for a ride on Splash Mountain. Yeah. Unfortunately, she's like, not only can you not fuck me, you can't live here yeah. until after we're married. <laughs> I I love this house. I love it. I, I seriously, yep. great job. Thank you. Yep. I just oh my god, he's is is, yep. is, is that pre-war? <laughs> but you don't have to go home but you can't stay here. Yep. She's like you ain't glazing these yams, you ain't getting in these guts. You can take out the trash and go home cuz you don't live here yet. And he does. He leaves. Run, Bruce. Yeah. Run. And she insists. She's like, I want to wait until I'm married. Here's my question. Mm-hmm. Do you really think that that was the reason that she actually wanted to wait until they were married to try to make it work? Or do you think she just was like, I'm, I don't want to fuck you? I think that's it. That's what it sounds like to me. That's what it sounds like. The thing that annoys me in this episode is that I feel like they are painting Rebecca to be a little bit nicer than she actually than was. she actually was. Yeah, because I'm not going to sit up here and say women aren't just as manipulative as men. But I feel like this show is making her seem a little more innocent. No, he bought her a house and she said you can't live here. She's yeah, a yeah. But even though she won't allow Bruce to live there. 
Rebecca can't help showing off and sharing her newfound good fortune with family and friends. She even invites her cousin Alvaro to stay at the house whenever he wants. I still cannot believe that you live here. Yeah, this is all mine. So then she's like, bye, Bruce. Then her cousin moves in. Now, her cousin Alvaro, him and Rebecca were close. Yeah, they grew up together very close. They're weirdly close. Yeah. We'll, we'll more, more on, on that, that later. later. Yeah. So then we meet Beth Lamb, who was the wedding photographer that Rebecca had met with for her upcoming wedding. Also, listen, I love photographers. You all are amazing. I respect the artwork. Do you know how much wedding photographers cost? Oh, no. You can hire your cousin Plukey for Honey, that. Honey, everybody bring an iPhone and let's hope for the best. For real. You know what? Do you know what Um, my cousin did at her wedding that I thought was so smart? She put several disposable cameras on every table. And I thought that was so cute. I did that, too. Everybody between the years of, like, 2005 and 2010 did that. Really? Everybody. Wedding photographers, I love you. I know you're gifted, but... You're expensive. And you know what? The biggest ripoff is for weddings that I hear... DJ. Flowers. Oh, yeah, flowers. Flowers are a huge ripoff. Yeah. DJ, put your Spotify playlist on. I love you, DJs. I was hired as the wedding photographer for Bruce and Rebecca's wedding. One of the first thing I noticed was her beautiful engagement ring. And I told her that was the prettiest ring I ever saw. Rebecca openly gushes about her relationship with her soon-to-be husband. She told me how excited she was about her wedding, and she started to talk to me about her whole relationship with Bruce and how she met the love of her life. So Beth Lamb is here. When she came out, I was like, the wedding photographer's here? Yeah. Why? <laughs> Everyone's I have here. To say. <laughs> Truly. Who's that? That's the butcher. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can you keep keep that door unlocked? Because the cobbler's coming. <laughs> the candlestick maker called in sec. Not coming. <laughs> So the first thing that Beth noticed when she met Rebecca was her engagement Mm -hmm. ring. She was like, holy shit, that is the biggest, most beautiful ring I've ever seen. And she was like, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. That ring was worth $10,000, which in 1995. Did you Google it? No, it's a lot of money. Okay. (laughs) It's a lot of money now. And so Rebecca has a bachelorette party. Now, I get a lot of shit for the the sweeping statements that I make on this podcast. And this might get me in the most shit that I've ever gotten. Okay, I'm ready. I don't like bachelor and bachelorette parties. Why? I just, I don't see the point. Like the last like hurrah. What's a hurrah? First of all. Like, grammatically, what is a hurrah? I'm just saying, like, I feel like we've lost our collective minds when it comes to this shit. Like, do you all have a money tree? Like, you all are going around town with dick headbands and dick straws, drinking until someone pukes. Every bachelorette party I've gone to, every bride pukes. And then, like, are you all touched? You're spending, like, $2,000 to go out of town and, what, prove you're still hot or something? You are still hot. You don't need to put a sash that says, like Mrs. Dickenballs across you to prove that you're hot. I think you're hot, Brenda. So you need to go out with all of your girlfriends and get your tits out and have something called the hurrah. I don't know what the fuck a hurrah is. Well, it's a lot of pressure, too. But yeah. like, we got to make sure the bride has the best time. I, I understand what you're saying. And though she knows it's a bad idea, Rebecca just can't resist booking Steve as the entertainment. The other featured dancer for the evening is Rebecca's cousin, Alvaro, whose chiseled good looks make him eye candy for the other guests. So, Rebecca 
hires someone really specific for her bachelorette party. Guess who it is? You remember Steve, the exotic dancer? But also, not just Steve. Her cousin, Alvaro. Are you... That's fucking weird. Okay. Why? Let's talk about this for a second. Reenactment Steve and reenactment Alvaro are at this makeshift bachelorette party, which we know is the director's house because all it has is one of those little turny lights from Spencer's <laughs> and a scarf <laughs> over the lamp, right? Yep. They just went to Spencer's and spent $25. So reenactment Steve and reenactment Alvaro are like wearing matching shirts from The Gap. And women are like, Take it off! And then the psychotherapist says, Although many people might find inviting your cousin to be a stripper at your bachelorette party would be a little bit odd. No, everybody finds it odd. It's not just odd. It's fucking weird. Yeah, it's uh, I find it odd. Joey finds it odd. Every I am going to speak for everyone. Every single person finds that odd. If you asked me, let's say you were into bachelorette parties and you said, Joey, we want to hire you to come and strip for us. I'd be like, that's fucking weird. Yeah. Why? Your cousin? That is weird. Raise your hand if you think that's weird. Every Everybody is raising their hand. Yeah. Everyone. I can see it. But then she goes on to say, To Rebecca, having Elvaro there was completely natural and normal. And he belonged there even though he was a stripper. No. it's It is not natural and it is not normal. It is not both of those things. Also, can we just say where this party took place? In the house that Bruce bought for Rebecca. Yeah, the one he can't live in. But thank God that my fuckboy and my cousin are wearing matching banana hammocks in the living room. Till as old as time. Cousins by chance, lovers by choice. <laughs> it, is, it honestly is that very is uncomfortable. sick. After the strip show, Steve gives Rebecca a private performance in the very bed that she'll be sharing with her future husband, Bruce. Although Rebecca is really trying to leave her wild ways behind her, whenever Steve is in the picture, she really can't help herself. So it's the end of the night. They've had a great time. There's tons of booze. Everyone's fucked up. And so, you know, obviously, Rebecca's going to seize the moment. She goes, hey, Steve, why don't you come upstairs with me and we're going to play hide the salami. Um, some slip and slide bingo, if you will. And then things take a twist because the duo turns to a trio because one of Rebecca's female friends named Debbie decides to join them. And by Debbie, I mean Deborah Gibson. (laughs) She showed up and she was like... And that's how Debbie's career ended. Yeah, sad. (laughs) Poor Debbie. Imagine Debbie Gibson in a threesome. Yeah. And then she's like, you know what'll make this better? I'm gonna change my name to Deborah. I feel like I feel like that might clear it all up. Do you guys think? Okay. Also, this episode turns into I tell mean, them. talk about a last hurrah. They were hurrah. It is slow motion. The girl, like, oh, the groaning. The moaning. I was like, are you, this sounds like the back end of a, a rap song. <laughs> you know when they make those songs and those rap songs? Like, oh, oh. so horny. Oh, oh, so horny. It is, it is, they, y'all, this is too hot for TV. Yeah, this is giving, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot. Just two beautiful women in thongs and bras going at it. I was like, discovery, my <laughs> Lord. Just in the home that your fiance done live in. But he paid for it. He sure did. Now, Debbie and Rebecca sort of 
they are doing the lickety splits. And they <laughs> you forget. love saying that. <laughs> they forget that Steve is there. And this is the first time Steve doesn't feel like Rebecca's obsession. So now we should say Bruce knew about the bachelorette party, mm-hmm. but he didn't know he was paying for an orgy. Yeah. Okay. He was financing an orgy. Yeah. He really was. Everyone's fucking in that house. Yeah. That he hadn't fucked in. But in Rebecca's mind, that will all come to an end in January of 1997, the day she marries Bruce. And when the big day arrives, the wedding comes off without a hitch. And the couple enjoy a picture-perfect day together. I really felt that things were going to work out between them and that she was going to be a good wife and be happy with Bruce. So now that brings us to their wedding in January of 1997. And now, so back in the scene when Bruce was giving Rebecca a lot of presents, she opened this one necklace that was like this silver thick chain with these big like fake pearls on it. Uh And now Rebecca is sort of wearing like a makeshift crown for her wedding out of that necklace. And again, I know, I know these reenactment props people. They are the unsung heroes of true crime TV because they're they're making it work with a bunch of popsicle sticks and a budget of a dollar twenty-five and a square meal. But somebody definitely forgot a veil on the shopping list. I notice everything. I'm <laughs> I sorry. Know you do. I'm sorry. It really was like the party city version of Celine Dion's wedding where she got married to Renee Charles and she wore that big old head thing. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. What a choice. It was. It was bad. Yeah. Well, Bruce is 42 and horny. <laughs> and he's like... <laughs> And he's 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 never he's never dipped that thing in there. No, and he's just waiting. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. The, I mean, the honeymoon happens. They get married. The wedding day is perfect. Yeah. Now it's time for the honeymoon, and we're talking butt stuff. Yeah, not the first time, Joseph. But it's a lot of pressure. And let me tell you, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little side story here. I have a girlfriend who did this, and it happened. I was like, listen, everybody makes their own choices in life, but if you wait for the test drive and that shit doesn't leave the station. It just it never happened. It the, never happened for them. I just think about all those people who did the true love waits thing when we were like in high school yeah. that they forced us to sign mm-hmm. a paper that said you will wait till you're married to have sex. No. Try drive a few vehicles before you take one out the lot. Listen, yeah. Yeah. Because you might get saddled with somebody who Because it's important. It is, and you don't know if you're compatible with that person that way. It really, really is important. Maybe one person wants to have sweet, sweet Winnie the Pooh honey jar sex, and the other person wants to be choked and hung from the ceiling by their toes. (laughs) It happens. She thought she'd found the complete package when she met Bruce, and to discover that he can't perform in the bedroom sends her reeling. She's like, what am I going to do now? I'll I'll, I'll try again Mm -hmm. in a little... Yeah. Bruce senses his bride's disappointment. Knowing he can't satisfy the woman he loves is crushing. But Rebecca was like, this sucks. The, the sex sucks. Well, because he couldn't get it up. Yeah, he couldn't get it up. Well, he's nervous, poor guy. Of course he he's is. 42. All the fantasizing, the pressure. Yeah. He's got this gorgeous wife that he loves that he wants to satisfy. He still hasn't told her that he was a virgin. And of all the waiting, I mean, she's, you know, withheld the vagina. The vagina. He's gagging for it. So they try again. Nope, not working. It's not working. He couldn't perform. And then they tell us Rebecca feels awful. I was like, first of all, how do you know? And second of all, then... She should have been more supportive. Listen, if you do love somebody, work it the fuck out. 
get some Viagra, talk about it, do some massage, work it out. Because you chose to fuck another man behind this nice man's back, and now you're not giving him the chance to literally learn how to please you. Yeah. That's fucked up. I feel. Don't you feel like they're being too soft on her? Oh, I feel like they are painting a very different like picture. She loved him so much. Really? No. No, she didn't. She was fucking an exotic dancer and being weird with her cousin. Yeah, she... <laughs> She, she didn't give a fiddler's fuck about no, this man. She wanted his fucking money. Yes, she did. And so now, you know, obviously Bruce is so disappointed. But more than that, he's humiliated. And bless this man. You know, Rebecca says, like, what am I supposed to do? And this is the thing. Rebecca pressures Bruce to try to perform. He can't. She gets mad. He's humiliated. It's a vicious cycle. And then it turns into Huge fights. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're bickering, yelling, you leave me here alone while you work. And then he's like, well, you spend all my fucking money. So then she kicks him out. After four months. After four months. She kicks him out of the house. And she says, I want a divorce. And he's like, I bought this house. I ain't leaving. Yeah. So he loses his temper and she calls the cops and plays victim. What? And they remove him from his house. Yeah. Once he's gone, Rebecca seeks support and advice from her family, especially the one person who always tells her what she wants to hear, her cousin, Alvaro. So then she's like, you know who I really miss? Cousin Alvaro. Yep. Why don't you come back and stay with me? Now, reenactment cousin Alvaro is... Gay. So gay. He, yeah, he's like... Well, you, I thought that he was supposed to be gay. That's the thing. I thought, I was like, oh, her cousin was gay. Yeah. He was like, you can always count on me. And I was like, what's the rest of that sentence to find the Southern exposure in your house, babes? What was the rest of that sentence? Hey, that is a trope about gay men that is true. Yeah. Um, We will find the light. We'll always find we the best light. We will always find it. Not over here, babes. Not over here. <laughs> No, Queen. That is a no from me, Queen. No, no. but this actor is gay. Yeah. He's and like, thought- move that chaise lounge to the corner. Turn it. Great. Now I'm going to splatter paint it. <laughs> because he made, the actor made strong choices that I was like, oh, her cousin was gay. And then the cousin wasn't gay. The cousin wasn't gay. Anyway, so he moves out. Now remember, Rebecca still has Bruce's credit card. Yeah. And the minute Bruce was kicked out, she took up with Steve again. And her addiction to him was worse than ever. And she was paying for everything, maxing out her credit cards. But eventually, the money dried up. And Bruce noticed. Yeah. The charges were like men's warehouse, men's house of fashion, the store men's where, warehouse? where definitely only men shop. Like, you know, <laughs> honestly, only men Dick's shop here. Sporting goods store. I've never been. Yeah. <laughs> Women aren't even allowed here in this store store. He was like, wait a minute. He cancels the credit card. Yeah. And again, I feel like this show is gaslighting me, making me feel like Rebecca is a victim because Rebecca's like, I have all these bills now. What do I do? Stop. Buying your fuckboy clothes from the men's warehouse. Reality slapped her across the face because she was like, fuck. I have been paying for this exotic dancer to spook me. And now I have no money. My cousin lives with me. I'm in this house. I can't afford these bills. I need to fix shit with Bruce. Yeah. On July 25th, 1997, Rebecca calls Bruce, proposing they go out to dinner and talk about possibly mending their torn marriage. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. Rebecca calls Bruce and says, hi, how about we go to dinner and try to talk this out? And he agrees. 
don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it, Bruce. Don't do it, Bruce. I mean, I get it. When somebody hurts you and you're still hurting, sometimes you have to forget how you feel and remember what you deserve. Yeah. Bruce didn't listen to me. No. And also, you know, I can imagine like putting all of this energy into a person, buying them a house. He didn't want to look like a fool, yeah. you know? So he's like, I, I got to make this work. Yeah. So they meet. They're nervous. Bruce is uncomfortable. So he starts drinking more than he normally would. Oh, a giggle margarita. Yeah. You need to have a giggle margarita. A loosen up drink. Oh, Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. And slowly but surely, Bruce Bruce gets pickled. He does get pickled. Yeah. And Rebecca's like, listen, why don't we try to make this work? And Bruce is like, I would like that. Yeah. And so she says, you know what? Why don't you come back to the house with me tonight? And we will do sex. We will play the slime the banana. (laughs) Always go back to that one. So they head to the home that obviously Bruce hasn't been in. And it's about 1 a.m. and they're driving through East L.A. And that's when the police get a call about a very gruesome scene in a neighborhood in East Los Angeles. Next to the front of a car with a passenger side door open is the body of a man. He was found lying in a pool of blood face down in the driveway on the south side of the street. They determined that he was dead because of brain matter they observed on the street. In front of the car, they find Bruce shot dead. Yeah. And it is a very, it's a terrible scene. Yeah. And not far from him is Rebecca, who was unconscious. And she's coming to, and she's like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. And she was like, I don't know what happened. We were driving home. We came to this stop sign, and there was a warning light on the dashboard, like that the trunk was open. She got out, and she was knocked unconscious. And the next thing she woke up, the cops were there, and Bruce was deceased. Yeah. And so through all this, they say that she was very upset. And they say, well, is there anything missing? And she's like, my wedding ring is gone. Mm -hmm. My wedding ring is gone. And so now they're like, okay, was this a a robbery gone wrong? Mm -hmm. They, they, They don't know. Because Bruce was shot in the back and in the head. Yeah. And... It just seems like a lot for a robbery. Well, they also were like, if it was a carjacking, but the car's still the here. The car's right there. And yeah. So the eyewitness saw somebody run away from the scene and get into another car and speed off. So they're like, I mean, I guess it was a robbery for her $10,000 ring. Yeah. And the paramedics check Rebecca out and they clear her to go home. Right. On an emotionally charged day in the summer of 1997, Bruce Cleland is laid to rest. Rebecca was hysterical, and she looked as if she was about to faint. Rebecca struggles to understand how she could be burying the man she had just rekindled her future with. So it's the summer of 1997, and it's Bruce's funeral. And the detectives have been looking all over everything, and something feels really suspicious. They were like, because you're either a really bad carjacker, because the car was here, you didn't leave with the car, Or this is really personal. It was very aggressive. Why did they just hit her on the head and kill him? So they start questioning the people that Rebecca knows. So they go to weird cousin Alvaro. And he was like, oh, I'm, I don't, what are you talking about? I I don't know shit. I was with 
Steve. Yeah. Me and Steve were out drinking. Yeah, remember the guy that I was the stripper at her bachelorette party? We actually, we struck up a bro-ship. Yeah. And we've been broing out in yeah. our banana hammocks for the past couple <laughs> months. So, yeah, we were out drinking. Yeah. Nothing fishy. We were doing normal dude stuff. Yeah. We weren't doing anything weird. Nothing weird. And so, <laughs> so they're like, okay, well, then we should talk to Steve. And they bring in Steve, and they're like, hi, Steve. How do you know Rebecca? Steve is like, oh, I've been fucking her. Yeah. Oh, Rebecca? Yeah. Oh, me and Rebecca, fuck. Yeah. We, be, we, we don't just fuck. We fuck. Okay, we've been fucking. Okay. <laughs> and uh, she buys me shit. Oh, we fuck and she buys yeah. me shit. And then they're like, cool. Did you know her husband was murdered? And uh, we know that she was using his credit card to buy you shit. So things aren't looking too good for you. And let me tell you something. Steve was like, I may be fucking her. No. <laughs> And she may be buying me things from Dick's Sporting Goods, all right? But I was literally at someone's house stripping, and there's a, a whole room full of horny women. I dipped my nuts in a Meemaw's mouth. Go talk to her. And they went and talked to that Meemaw, and she's like, I'm still on medication from the time. I've been the clap in the mouth. It's not very nice nuts, but I'm still on the med. And he was in my living room. Yeah, Steve, I say hi. Steve was telling the truth. What, that Meemaw would never lie. No. So they were like, wait, I thought you were with your bestie banana hammock stripper friend, Alvaro. And they, he was like, no, oh, I, was, oh. I, was, I was teabagging Meemaws. <laughs> That's what I was doing. They found that Rebecca and Alvaro had exchanged a number of cell phone calls on the night of Bruce's murder. Hey, Alvaro. The last one, just two minutes before Bruce was killed. But then also, Alvaro's phone pinged just 50 feet from the murder. So he's placed at the scene of the crime. Y'all should not subscribe to a life of crime. Yeah. You're not very good at it. Now, don't forget, Alvaro has benefited from Bruce's money. And technically, Rebecca was still married to Bruce. So if anything happened, she would get his money and Alvaro would benefit from it. Right. So now back to Rebecca's phone records. It turns out that the night of Bruce's murder, Rebecca called a wrong number. And when police called the number, the person answered saying, oh, yeah, some dumb whore called here looking for a man named Jose uh, Cazada. And they're like, interesting. That's like when those people text us and they're like, Naomi, why haven't you called me in a couple days? Did you see the last one that I, know. I posted? I It's like your favorite thing it to is, do. I you look all, forward to it. Wait, like please tell, spam text me. Tell them what you do to spam texters. They start with like Rose, this is Amy. Why haven't you responded to my telegram? And I'll be like, oh my god, Amy, I'm so sorry. And the one I wrote the other night was the ghost of Judy Garland was in my room last night, kept me up all night insisting that I listen to her sing the score of Brigadoon. I haven't got a wink of sleep. Is everything Okay. I know. Joey just does it to screen cap it and put it on Instagram. It's my favorite thing. But yeah, th this wrong number turned out to be clutch. So Jose Cazada is another one of Rebecca's cousin. But Jose had a criminal record. And, and he was involved in gang activity. So now a witness identifies Jose as the shooter who was running down the street, which leaves Alvaro as the driver of the getaway car, but they don't have enough evidence to make an arrest. But that is finally the reason why we understand why fucking Beth Lamb, the wedding photographer, is here. The police informed me that the wedding ring had been stolen during the carjacking. I had my ring! My ring! Where's my ring? And I said, no, it wasn't. She had it on at the funeral. Police ask her, did you know that her wedding ring got stolen? Mm -hmm. And she was like, wait, 
She was definitely wearing it at the funeral because I'm like obsessed with that ring. And you're like, are you sure? Yeah. And she's like, yeah. And and Beth was like, there's two things I don't fuck around with. The McDonald's dollar menu and diamonds. <laughs> so, yeah. Her ring was not stolen because it was on her little, little maniacal, witch lying, witchy ass finger. Yeah. So the cops are super confused. And so, <laughs> I mean, Beth was like, of course I know what that ring. I thought about stealing it myself. Yeah. So now the cops are like, oh, we're going to talk to Rebecca. And when they show up at her house, they go into the, her house. She's sitting on her hands. And the cop is like, show me your hands. Mm-hmm. She's like, why? My fingers are cold. I'm keeping them warm. They're like, show me them old sausage fingers now. Oh, yeah. And she was wearing the ring. That yeah. is so fucked up. And also, you're a fucking idiot. Also, why are you wearing the ring? You are so stupid. That ring represents a relationship with somebody who's dis... Why are you wearing it? It is weird. It's so weird. Investigators have now gathered enough evidence to arrest Rebecca and her two cousins, Alvaro and Jose. So, in June of 2000, the trial begins. And Rebecca's story, she stuck to her story. She's like, this was a carjacking, this was a robbery. A gang did this. A gang did this. But Rebecca knows that Bruce had a $1 million life insurance policy. That is crazy. I know. Why did they gaslight us this whole time about her to make it seem like she was actually authentically looking for love and now they're just mentioning this million dollar life insurance policy. Right. Yeah. As as it kept going on, I was they were speaking so haphazardly about like all this infidelity. I was like, no, there's like a nice, nice man who's sitting being patiently waiting to have sex for the first time with the woman that he loves. Yeah. It's wild. It's wild. And so the prosecutors, however, they lay out an outline of the evening and they call bullshit on her story. So Rebecca had been in communication with her cousins the whole time, right? She pulls up to the designated stop sign. Cousin Jose hops out of the bushes, runs to the passenger side and shoots Bruce. Then Bruce gets out and tries to run away, but he is shot three more times, killing him, sadly, uh, instantly. And so... Jose runs to the getaway car where Alvaro is waiting and Rebecca fakes her head injury while she waits for the cops. And did you know that four paramedics examined that dummy's head and they couldn't find anything? Not yeah. an injury, not any blood, nothing. Yeah. She's like, oh, it hurts so bad. No, it, it nothing hurts. No, nothing hurts. After only a few hours, the jury comes back with a verdict. All three defendants were found guilty sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. The three get sentenced to life without parole. Yeah. So that, that that jury was like, we don't, we just need two hours. Yeah. Goodbye. They were like, and, and an hour and a half of that is to eat at the Panda Express because they're always very, very slow. <laughs> Listen, Rebecca knew she was not going to get money from a divorce. She knew the only way she was going to get money and keep living the life that she wanted to lead was if Bruce was dead. Yeah. Fuck you, Rebecca. You're a monster. There was a bunch of stuff not in this episode because, like, you know, a lot of people right at the start thought it was really weird because when the whole scene happened and her husband was laying there dead, she didn't approach the body or ask about his condition. Her demeanor was, like, super, like, whatever. I mean, people were on to her from the beginning. Also, they didn't mention she had a ton of cosmetic surgery on Bruce's dollar. And she told anybody who would listen 
that she did not want to marry him and that she did not love him. She told her sister Lorraine. Her sister testified in court against her because she asked her sister to find someone to kill Bruce. She was not quiet about this. She told her friends she only was marrying Bruce for his money. She wanted to have a child with them and then collect the child support. I mean, like, this woman was way more awful than they made her out to be in this show. What a monster, dude. Yeah. That's crazy. That I didn't know that. They prettied this story up. Right. Like, Bruce was a really, really innocent victim in a whole scheme. People are so greedy. I am researching the Murtaugh murders right now. It all comes down to greed. Why are you all so greedy? What do you all need? Why do you all need stuff? Yeah. Why does everyone need so much stuff? We don't need so much stuff. I just need golden girls and some weed. Yeah. And I'm good to go. That's it. Say something funny. You know, when it's Christmas and we sing that song, chestnuts roasting on an open fire. I always think back to my fond memories of strippers in my living room shaking it for grandma. Mima, <laughs> come on. We need to go back to Shady Pines. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Well, that is our episode of Scorned. I I mean, this is, this is, you know, it's a good show. Poor Bruce. He did not fucking deserve that. But we love you down, bitches. Please join us on the Patreon if you can. Hopefully, we are going to be getting our tours back in order. If you have not, please take a minute to rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to leave a five-star review, please leave an iTunes review. If you want to leave a one-star review, please just slide into our DMs and tell us off that way. Yeah, and here's what I want to say. Just before you write your review, just a couple things to note. Ellen is deaf in one ear, so she can't help but scream. <laughs> Patrick doesn't, this isn't even his podcast, so he won't come back. And um, also, we're ju- we, we're just we having a good time. Yeah, we're just having a good time. But it does let people find us a little better, and it helps us with the algorithm. So even if you've been with us from the beginning and you haven't done that, we would really appreciate that. And be sure and write a little paragraph about why you love us. Joey will read it. I will not because I am too sensitive. And please follow us on all social media at I Think Not Pod. That is on TikTok. That is on Instagram. That is on Twitter. And how can they find us on Facebook? You can find us at the... I Think Not podcast Facebook discussion group, formerly known as Obsessed with Disappeared. Okay, everyone, everyone just love him for who he is. <laughs> and please follow us on our personal socials. I am Ellen Marsh with a Y and Joey is It's Joey Taranto. We love interacting with you. Thank you for always, always supporting us. It really does mean the world. And we are not just saying that when we say we have the best listeners. It's we really true. do. We, really we don't do. know what we did to deserve you, but we love you. We love you. Thanks for coming. I love you, Joey. I love you too, Yellow Marsh. Love you down, bitches. Uh-huh. Bye. Did you say hopping and popping around? Yeah, hopping and popping. We're hopping. We're popping. I'm slapping tonight. <laughs> what did you ask me? What did you ask me to say? Tell them the name of the show. I mean, I can't imagine struggling with romance when Mariah Carey had the number one song in December of 1995 when they were on their date. Mm-hmm. Can you guess what song that was? There were two songs by Mariah Carey that were both number one. Her, There was one that was number one. Vision for the, of Love? Nope. For 1995. That's 1990. The first two weeks of December, what she had Butterfly? one song. Nope. The first two weeks of December, she had a song that was number one. And the last All two I Want for of, Christmas? I'm going to kill you. What was it? Was mine. The first two weeks was Fantasy, and the second two weeks... From that same album, one guess. I- one sweet day, boys to men. What's up? 
Boys to that one sweet day with Mariah Carey and Boys to Men. Give me, I I need a refresher. And I know you're talking down on me from heaven. So I want to thank you for meeting me at my pudding metaphor and elaborating on it without (laughs) judging me for my pudding metaphor. I know (laughs) metaphor. At this point, I've just got to go with it. You know, you jump, I jump, right? It turns out the the night of Wayne's murder. Who is Wayne? And why did I Bruce Wayne? Is that why I wrote that? <laughs> God, your brain! I can fuck myself for free. Okay. I'm good. <laughs> and I have several times this morning. Fuck you, Todd. Fuck you, Todd. Eat your own taco. Guess what? Guess what these margaritas are giving me? Air miles. Bring it up. <laughs> Fucking Todd. I fucking always hated that guy. Air miles. Yeah. Ooh.